I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jake. You can get me on Twitter at jjackman with two N's. Uh, I'm a Newcastle fan, and I write for EPL Index. Hi there, it's uh, Joshy here. I'm a uh, Manchester United fan, and I'm no longer on Twitter, but you can find me on podcasts like this and, and, and other podcasts and things like that. Hey, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fifths. All right, thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Although, admittedly, perhaps begrudgingly, for uh, Joshi, who just saw his Manchester United side lose to Liverpool, I had to do the same last week. And both of our clubs had their chances against Liverpool, but they ended up holding clean sheets in both, winning both, kind of continuing this unbeaten run this season. Do you guys think that they could finish the season unbeaten? And if not, which remaining match do you think could prove the biggest stumbling block? Um, I still think it's got it's still a lot of games to go. Um, and I think the amount of points Liverpool are in front when the Champions League comes back, I think there could be some <clears throat> rotation. Um, so maybe that they'll drop drop points there. I think it, the league's pretty much a foregone conclusion now. I, th- I think everybody would agree that. Um so they'll probably be able to take their, their eye off the market. The unbeaten season, although it's a nice thing to have had, um, if they're you know, also competing in the, the FA Cup and, and the Champions League, maybe it's better to focus on those competitions and try and win more trophies this season rather than going for the unbeaten record. Uh, they've definitely got a really good chance of it. I mean, it, recently they've just been pretty much flawless. They're, you know, the seven clean sheets in a row now. Um and you just felt watching um, the Spurs match and the uh, Manchester United game today that they they probably had more goals in them, didn't you know missed a few big chances. So it it is looking really good for them. I think the City game is obviously the big one. I don't think Pep will wanna. I think even though the league's gone for them, I think it will be a pride thing for Pep that he wants to to go and beat Liverpool, and I'd probably expect them to do that to be honest. And um, but yeah, it, it it's. It, it's difficult to see them dropping too many points, but as I say, when the Champions League comes back and they've got you know multiple games in a week, we might see rotation, and that might be when they start to drop more points and maybe lose a couple of games. But the, I think the only team um, that could beat them for me is probably Manchester City. Um, I don't really see any other team having the the ability. I mean, if if you look at Everton, who, who are probably a probably like the 10th 11th best team in, in, in the league. They couldn't even beat Liverpool's reserves a few weeks ago. So it, it, it does look pretty bleak for any other team. But yeah, it is Manchester City and, and Liverpool that are, are clearly above the breast. So I'd, I'd probably expect City to be the ones that beat them. Uh, but they've got a chance of going unbeaten. But I, I just think that they probably won't. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where I think they'll they'll win the league and then they'll take they don't need to risk their best players in in matches after that. And and I think you'll I don't I agree. You know, I think Klopp will want to go for trophies and not this unbeaten record. So he will rest his best players. And that's when there's a risk the team might just pull something off. But I mean, we've seen them all through the season. Nobody's really touched them. I mean, United are the only team to take... Well, we took points off them, first team, and that was a draw, and it wasn't really great. So, I don't know. It it pains me to say it, but I don't see any better side in the country at the moment, uh, and I don't see any side beating them. It'll be a fluke win or a shock win or when they've rested loads of players. Uh, Yeah, it's... Obviously, statistically unlikely, just because it's hard to win that many games in a row. But they've clearly they've been doing it all season, and they're probably the best team ever, uh, at least in Premier League history, probably in English football history. So, like you know, anything's well, possible I'm, for this side. Maybe I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there's in this current league. I don't think, and if you look at all the other teams, I mean, City have no excuse. But if you look at Spurs, you know, they were just after last season. That was that was like. Pochettino's kind of, you know, that was it. They're done. And since then, they've had a bit of a decline and they needed to redig things. Arsenal, you know, they're in transition. United are just rubbish. Chelsea, again, new manager. They didn't have a trans, they couldn't bring in players in. So I think I wouldn't say they're the best team. I mean, statistically, yes, so far, they're the best team in terms of points, but not in terms of. It's awesome. It's also more funny that it goes over like a two season stretch. Like I know they didn't win the league last year, but like they were still better than a chunk of league winners last year. And the fact that it's stretched over two years, I think, is a large part of large part of it. Uh, we'll see. But re- well, regardless, regardless, semantically, they're very, very good. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess I have to admit that as much as it pains yeah. me. <laughs> um, they're all right. But yeah, they're pretty, pretty all right. Um, but yeah, so like it's statistically unlikely just because it's as i said hard to win any games but also like, if there's anything any team that i think could do it right now it's this liverpool team because they've been they've had a, some luck that they've got but they've also just been better than everyone else by a, everyone bar city by a pretty large margin and they've been still clearly better than city as well um so I, as far as tough games it's the city game if there's one for them to lose it's that one um so we'll see if they do uh, but as Jake said, um, they may like rotate once they get to uh, Champions League fixtures and stuff. So that, you know, it could be a shock random result there. But um, as far as ones that we can expect, it's probably the City one or bust. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you guys. And I, I think it'll have to be a combination of those factors. <laughs> all three of you mentioned all like the different ways in which it could happen. I think a rotated match around a Champions League match, maybe once they've picked up an injury or something, might be the thing. I actually think it's more likely that it happens in a air quotes random match than that City one. But obviously, they would have a lot to prove um, just based on the way their season's gone. And also, as I'm sure people recall, uh, Liverpool were the ones that ended City's run uh, of unbeaten results in their uh, centennial or what did we end up calling them? Centurions? Is that is that Centur- what we yeah, yeah, I think it was Centurions. No, yeah. no, that's what they called themselves. <laughs> okay. we, we, no, nobody else calls them that. Okay, fair enough. Well, that year. This is a very painful podcast for me as a Manchester United fan. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to compliment both <laughs> Liverpool and Manchester City so closely uh, back to back there. That's my fault. <laughs> All right. Next, I wanted to talk a little bit about the winter window. So thus far, and we're, you know, 
over halfway through the month, uh, obviously. Only eight clubs have brought in at least a single player thus far in the winter window. Of course, the winter window traditionally far slower than the summer one. It's way shorter, and people don't want to give up their assets during the season. So do you guys think it's just been a slow start to the window? Do you think it's just kind of the fact that winter windows are traditionally slow? And which club do you think could use the most reinforcements regardless? Yeah, I, I think that there's going to be a lot more stuff happen in the next couple of weeks anyway. It always seems to be the way in January that um, stuff happens later in the month. Um, so so I, I think there'll be a, a little bit more than usual. I think that we'll probably see, I'd expect Man United to bring in somebody, uh, especially with the Rashford news. They, they sort of need a, an injection of something, probably several things, but they're not going to majorly rehaul the squad now, but I'd expect them to get somebody. Um, and you look at Spurs and Arsenal, both of those are, are, are clubs that probably need a lot of work and, and could get a head start in the summer by doing something now. Uh, the Harry Kane injury obviously is a, a big thing for Spurs and, and Mourinho seems to be pushing that a little bit more uh, in the last few days. So I'd, I'd, there's three clubs that I think they're the three obvious clubs that need to that need to do something with their squads, whether it be now or in the summer, because all three have m- massively underperformed. Um, and just look like they've got problems in several areas. Not to pick apart all of your clubs, but it, it does <laughs> Everyone else on the show. You get one <laughs> yeah, win and none of us here. do, and you get so cocky. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know, but I think you, you, you'd all agree that your squads are not quite where they should be. And, and the fact that um, none of you are in that top four means that it, the board, the boards and obviously respective managers are all going to want to do more business um so yeah they're the three obvious ones if you look at the bottom of the league i think norwich have uh, brought in a couple of players from the Bundesliga, so they look like um they're doing some stuff and i think uh, duda the one that uh, i think signed from herta he i think he's gonna be quite a good sign if they make quite a big impact at the weekend um and but you know it's just clean teams at the bottom or all those three three teams that aren't in the champions league place at the moment are the, the obvious ones that need to do things um because it is for for those at the bottom of the league, it's 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 a gamble to try and inject some sort of positivity um, to try and get you out of that situation. I think Bournemouth are in dire need of something, uh, probably goal scorers or or somebody to create chances because they they've looked awful. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there'll be stuff done. Uh, I I reckon Manchester United will probably sign somebody. I think we'll probably see a few loan moves near the bottom of the table. Um, that seems to happen in January, weirdly, uh, later in the month, like somebody like Mishy Batshuayi might become available or, or something like that. So, yeah, I think there'll be stuff done. It's just a slow window and nobody really wants to be bringing players in at this time. Um, they'd rather wait to the summer. But, you know, with, with our, <laughs> Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham, there's just so much that needs to be done. I think that you, you're you going to have to try and get a head start on that now. And if they don't... Um, you know, if they do, there's a chance to get in top four, especially if Manchester United. Uh, the Rashford injury was was a massive blow, but Chelsea just continually drop points. And you know, if if there was an opportunity to get into that top four, it is now. And Manchester United should probably take that. And you know, I've, I've seen Fernandez links; he'd probably be a good signing. Um, but yeah, they probably need a, a little bit more than that as well. But yeah, I think there'll be stuff done. It's just a slow window, and I think that. We'll see a lot more stuff maybe over the next, um, you know, seven to ten days. A lot more stuff will come out, especially after the league fixtures have been played and it moves into the FA Cup. I think that will be the time when a, a lot more is, is sort of happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think it is difficult to get 
your top quality signings in I mean when we when we talk about the clubs at the kind of top end of the table you don't want to just go and get players for the sake of it right I mean I know we United need signings that's for sure uh, in lots of different areas especially I mean you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the opportunity to break into that top four but it's not just that it's also making sure that the signings you get are going to improve the squad for the long term as well right so and that's the difficulty in January because nobody wants their squad to be weaker so everyone if you try and sign someone then they'll want to bring in a replacement so there that's what I think takes a bit of time and because it's a short window it's difficult to get people in um in, in the window but definitely United need something up front like today Andreas Pereira I mean he's probably a good lad but he's not a good footballer right there's no I don't think any team in the Premier League would have Andreas Pereira in their side I can't think of anyone who would who would play him uh, or who would need him or you know he would he improve anyone I don't think so he is very poor and you know we need some and we had no creativity no creative outlet today um, I mean we did create we still you know did create chances but we didn't have that single point of that single bit of quality in that number 10 area, which is where he was playing. And that's a massive sort of area for us. So Fernandez has been linked. Um, obviously we're haggling and, you know, as every club does, but it seems to play out in the media for United massively. So it's going to drag on. I don't see a lot of business being done by United and maybe across the Premier League. I don't see a lot of business being done. It's just, I just feel like it's a slow, it's not just a slow window. It's a slow, it, I think it's, it is just a sign that, Lots of clubs, um, they can hold on to their players. They're not, you know, especially in the Premier League, like United, you know, can't exactly, you know, if we go to um, other teams, there's no need to sell because most Premier League clubs are fairly rich, right? So you saw that with Leicester, we we had to pay a massive premium for Harry Maguire, who's not an £80 million centre-back. Um, and we'll have to do that if we want to get the likes of, let's say, Jack Graylish or James Madison, these players that we've been linked with, it's just going to be a massive premium because these clubs don't need to sell because the, every club in the Premier League is rich. And even abroad, you know, the only reason sporting are probably in, are entertaining is because they are in financial trouble. So it's a difficult window. So I don't, but, and I don't see a lot being done, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think if there's a team at the top that is the obvious one to make a move, it's probably United just because I think there's at least a chance they can actually salvage this season. Uh, the Rashford injury is a huge blow to that. But like, they're only five points off top four, so there's there's a chance. Um, whereas for um, Tottenham, possibly Tottenham, and definitely Arsenal, like Arsenal season is so far gone. We've our league season has been done for two months. Like there's kind of, like unless we can get a long term piece, which is always extremely difficult to do in January. It's very hard to find value. There's kind of no point. Like why are we gonna? I don't want to try and quote unquote save this season when we're ten points off top four and have only won six games. Um, but I don't, I don't want to hurt our future by trying to, to go on a foolhardy mission to try and save this season. And I, I hope, I really hope um, that the higher ups think the same. Um, I kind of think the same for Spurs, but Mourinho might complicate that. I don't, he's more of a short termist manager and he's just an older manager than say an Arteta where he's more building for future. So that could change that. But I think their seasons also almost like if, if not totally gone, pretty close. Um, so it's kind of like, why try and save this probably dead season um, and possibly hurt yourself in the future by making rash signings in January? Um, 
then at the bottom of the table, any of the guys who are threatened to be relegated could obviously make signings. Um, it would make a lot of sense. So we'll see how many actually do. Yeah, I expected to all have already seen a lot more this window because of how close everything is at both ends of the table, like Manchester United and Wolves, both within touching distance of Chelsea still <clears throat> for those top four spaces. Then within six points, all the way up to 13th are in touching distance of the relegation zone. So there are just so many teams close to all of those things. I kind of assumed we would see more, but obviously we haven't yet. I, I think uh, Joshi and Dan, you both make good points. You can't just go out and spend arbitrarily and see where that gets you because I don't think that's really helped any of our clubs. Um, but I'm assuming somebody will panic and we will see something big late, but time will tell. Although I, I am not particularly fond of the fact that all of a sudden Tottenham went from being the only club that needs a striker now to being one of two with United being the other one with the Rashford news. So time will tell on all of that. I personally do think it will pick up a bit more before the end of the window, but we will certainly see. And again, you know, 10 days till we know. So not too long to find out. All right, we will wrap up making the rounds by talking a little bit about VAR, which people may recall that we said at the start of the season we weren't going to do. But there has been an actual development. We aren't just talking about a random decision that didn't go somebody's way because, of course, you can bloviate on that every single week. But after Michael, Michael Oliver's usage of a pitchside monitor in the FA Cup, the Premier League suggested to referees that they do the same, particularly for incidences of violent conduct. Should they do it for all of it? Probably. But... That's the way that they've suggested it be used thus far. I think we did see it in one match this weekend. I don't recall which one, sorry. Um, but do you think that this uh, suggestion from the Premier League on the whole is a positive direction for VAR to be taking? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it, it is a case that the referee on the field, the one that's making the initial call, should probably be following that up if... if something needs to be changed. Um, I think there are quite strict regulations, aren't there, um, in what they can go to the monitor for and what they can't. I think um, in the FA Cup, when when um, Milijevic um, got sent off for Palace, I think it's because he didn't actually see the incident, the referee, so that's why he went over. And now it is sort of the, for the violent conduct thing, um, as, as you said, Kev. So it, it seems to be very limited in what they can go over there for. I'm not sure if they can do it for handballs or... Um, other things like that so it, it it's it still seems to be very limited but i think it's definitely the right thing to do um i think if if they you know that var is going to stay whatever happens now um even though it has pretty much been a big failure this year the way it's been implemented but it's going to stay so they need to work on, on ways to improve it um i think there's a lot of you know the delays are delays do happen um in games when VAR comes into it, but I think a lot of the time, if it's not conclusive to the to the um, person in Stockley Park making the decision, I think they just need to, you know, if it is a um, if it isn't conclusive, they need to just stick with the on-field decision um, as much as possible, just just to avoid that delay. But if there is a an obvious mistake, I think the referee needs to go to go and change it because you, you had it in the Manchester United game today, the Van Dyke. Um, with the disallowed goal, um, the referee, I think it was Craig Porter, wasn't it? He he thought there's nothing wrong with the with with what happened, and obviously Firmino scored, and he was happy to allow that. Um, and there was this this, um, and they went back to the to the Calvert Lewin thing against Manchester United a few weeks ago. Uh, but it, at that point, he was 
the Stockley Park referee. So he didn't want to disallow it because because he's obviously got his own interpretation of of what can be allowed on a goalkeeper. So when he was the VAR referee, he didn't disallow it. Um, and then now he's on the on-field referee. He did the same thing. He didn't disallow it. He, he allowed it to go on. But because you had that difference um, in the Stockley Park, somebody with a different interpretation, they changed it. And it's that sort of, that's what I don't like is, is that it, it depends who's in which position and what decision you might get. Because if, if it had been another another way around and say, and Craig Porter was the one in Stockley Park, maybe the goal gets given and it's 2-0 to Liverpool at that point. It, it's, there's still inconsistencies of it, but mainly I think it, it's the on-field referee that you want to be making these calls. Um, and, and with that instant today, I would have liked to see Craig Porson go over and look at it. And, and if he still thought it was fine, um, let the goal go. Um, because it, it's strange that somebody is not in the stadium could overrule him and his interpretation, and that's kind of what I don't like with VAR. But yeah, I, I think it's something that needs to come into it. Um, the delays are an issue, but I think that, you know, you get delays for so many things these days. Yeah, I think in the in the Spurs game yesterday, didn't the, the, the electronics went down and you had like a four-minute delay, which is weird. Which so, they didn't you know, add to added time, which was fun. Yeah, exactly. So they, they didn't even add that on properly. But yeah, you get delays for anything. So I don't mind the delays as long as the right decision is made. But it's it's the inconsistency still. And um, we saw that today with the with the disallowed goal. That is it, it, what I don't like with VAR. Yeah, I mean, I can't agree. To answer your question, I think it is a step in the right direction. That being said, I don't think VAR is is being implemented in the right way. And the problem with it is it still requires a human. Uh, interpretation. There's no kind of uh, technology per se. It's just cameras, right? It's just extra cameras. It's not like goal line tech. It's not like in uh, cricket where you've got Snicko, you've got Hawkeye. You know, you can use a combination of different things to come to the correct decision. This is just a extra cameras with a referee sitting on there interpreting it, right? And when you think about things like offside. Um, you know, the angles that we're looking at from the cameras, it's not like the camera is directly in line, you know, so you still do it, you still, they're making these decisions around um, really tiny margins, which I think is ridiculous, right? Because you've got errors, you've got margins of error. So how do you make decisions on these tiny margins, like what they were saying, millimeters, inches, when, you know, you're using a camera, which doesn't have that level of detail and the ability to actually discern those millimeters so it's, it's a really it for me it's not a, it's not a technology it's just video cameras with another person interpreting what he's with the images that he's seeing um so you know it for me it's just it's not actually helped um but yeah to answer your question yes i think it's a step in the right direction at least you get the it's you know you, you'll get that consistency uh, kind of within the match if that makes sense because it's the on-field referees that would be making that decision still though it's not I mean I, I'm just not huge I'm not a fan of it at all to be honest I had someone arguing on Twitter that it's great technology and I was like but there is no technology it's just it's just cameras it's just other cameras that if there's that no technology what do you call all those weird hyphens that vertically show when people's armpits are offside <laughs> I have no idea what's yeah, and that's the thing, right? How do they those lines that they draw? They're they're just arbitrarily placed, right? There's no kind of again, like go let's go to Hawkeye where they have got ball tracking technology from th from three different positions, so they can t they can actually check the um, 
trajectory of the ball, right? So that's what they use in Hawkeye. That's the actual technology. And then the software creates the, predicts the trajectory with those offside lines and stuff. It's just some dude has just drawn a line on, right? He's put the line on on the screen to see. There's no like real, there's no like player tracking technology that's tracking the or Most ball tracking technology to confirm the exact frame in which the ball actually left the foot, because as you mentioned, exactly. technologically, it isn't at the speed of live play yet. Yeah, exactly. So, how many frames is it? And between one frame and another, you could. Yeah, exactly. That's the. I read something about that as well. There's a big issue because of the number of frames. You don't actually know when the ball is left, and and yet you're using these arbitrarily drawn lines on the pitch to kind of discern like a millimeter offside it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me uh yeah, i'm not sure whether the going to the on pitch monitor is like I, i'm just not sure if it's good or bad I, right now i'm just having this like a neutral um i'd like a larger sample to see if it actually results in um decisions that are correct more um before I like make a determination, um, it definitely could be good or it could be bad if it becomes if like there's no change in results um, and it takes more time. Uh, we'll see one way or the other. But generally, for VAR as a whole, I agree with Josh. If I if I trusted the technology, which as you say, there is no technology, it's just extra cameras. More, I would definitely have less of an issue. But the offside thing specifically, that it's literally just a guy drawing a line, is so so infuriating and not good. Um, I, I don't know if there is a system out there if that exists that could make it better. So like if there's not, I guess that's fair enough. But it's the way it is right now is just it's very not good. Yeah, um, I don't I'm think also... there is one. Not to cut you off, but um, yeah, Joshi, okay. just because you kept mentioning Hawkeye, they were the ones that were consulted about the implementation of this, which I think also kind of implies the difficulty in the sport versus some of the other ones, like say tennis, where Hawkeye was you know first established, yeah. where you could clearly tell if a if a ball had hit a line or not. Yeah, and, and you know the, the point isn't that we should that that they should go or that you know we'd go and find some ridiculous technology. The, the and and you know the point is actually this football is not conducive to these marginal decisions using these cameras, right? But you can still use the video uh, technology for obvious stuff, like if someone's headbutt a player and the other the referee doesn't see it, right? Or if there's a blatant foul in the penalty area, right? Things like that, I think. It, it, it's you can use it for but it's the implementation has been poor is that but the offside thing is a particular bugbear um I, I guess the other way you could do it is if you had a different set of refs that solely do uh the var stuff so that you don't get this thing that um that was mentioned around the ref being you know like you, you, the example that was mentioned today you don't get that then so there you only have your on-field guys and then you have a different set i don't know if that would work i have no clue I just, I just think the implementation has been really, really poor. I mean, look at look at goal line tech. There's no kind of issues with that. It works. It's done. It's done and dusted. Nobody complains. Bang on. Because the technology works. Implementation is was obviously far easier, but was good, and it's done. Right? There's no issues. There's clearly problems, and and they need. I don't know how they're going to rectify it, but it's it's to do with the fact that you've still got humans making decisions and drawing lines and stuff. I am also somewhat concerned that the humans are part of the issue um, because I think the best time, best time we've seen VAR implemented was at the World Cup where we had like all the best refs in the world. And then once you like dilute the quote unquote talent pool, it seems to go worse and worse. Um, so I, outside of 
England completely changing how they hire refs and start, you know, hiring people from outside the country. Um, I don't really know how that changes. So that that may just be an issue that we uh, unfortunately live with. I don't know. I would love for them to just, you know, you already go outside of the country to get the best players and the best coaches and the best executives and all that. Why not do it for the refs as well? Um, yeah, I mean that's a huge one, right? The standard of refereeing in the Premier League, I don't think, is yeah. is great. And I mean, like I, I like refs get a lot of shit in a lot of sports, um, and like some of it is just like it's a really hard job. I I genuinely do not. I think there are cl- pretty clearly better refs out there than the ones we have in the Premier League, and like the Premier League is the most wealthy league in the world. I don't see why you wouldn't just go out and like try and pay for better refs to make your product better, but. Yeah, I, that's what I would do. I know yeah. they have, they have a thing about only hiring English refs, but there are only a handful that I actually think are particularly good. Um, so I, I would go get better ones, but uh, yeah, I'm not in charge. So yeah, that's a really interesting shout. And, and Joshi, I do agree that as trying to apply objective rulings on subjective events is, is always going to be a difficult thing to do. Um, but it sounds like all of you did do think pitch side helps a little bit, at least because. If there's a referee in the wherever that television booth is, I forget where. Um, I think the initial instinct is to not overrule the person that's there, but I think it's easier for that person to be like, "Oh, I got it wrong," than it is for somebody else to tell them that they were wrong, which wasn't an issue at the World Cup, as Dan mentions, but has certainly been an issue uh, in the English game since VAR arrived. All right, we will take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Jake, we'll start off with you. Probably the happiest person on the show because you managed to pull off a win. A last-ditch one at that, of course. But there have been some very exciting developments for Newcastle lately. Almiron found his scoring boots. Jolinton has looked better, had a great header that, that went off the post in that one. Then you have St. Maximin obviously supplying the game-winning assist. Uh, in that match against Chelsea, if all three of those players start to come good, especially at potentially the same time, just how good could they make Newcastle? Um, yeah, I think they. I think it's quite a exciting time. It, it's weird. I, I don't think Newcastle have ever been in such a promising position at this point of the season that I can remember in such a such a long time. Not only are we not going to go down, despite our performance is saying that we probably should um, because we've got the points and we've got a lot of winnable games coming up. Um, We're still in the FA Cup with a very nice draw. So I think think if we, you know, won next weekend against Oxford, which we should, we will be going through to the fifth round of the FA Cup for the first time since Mike actually bought the club. So that's quite a 
quite a big thing and, and um we've obviously got um Almiron slowly coming good um St Maximin is settling in back from injury and already um making quite an impact yesterday uh, and Joel in turn as well is is, is starting to improve slightly um scored against Rochdale but you know you've got to start somewhere and I thought he was very good yesterday with a lot of the stuff he'd done um it was his sort of long burst of run and hold of play that won the corner for us to go and score the winner in the first place so um he he's definitely got a role to play I'm just not sure he's a goal scoring centre forward but I think he's there's something to work with there and he's still so young so it, I think it's exciting um still got a lot of the um the good things about when Benitez was here our, our defence looks pretty good um we manage games quite well um if you if you watch newcastle games and see some of the chance we concede you'd think that perhaps we should lose a little bit more we probably should but we're also very good at managing games you rarely see newcastle concede a, a silly free kick or um give the ball away um late in, late in the game in, in a bad position you rarely see that anymore it's because we've got that you know game management that other teams don't have um which is why we we saw for do quite well in games where we managed to to keep the other side out i think when we concede it's just different thing we we, we struggle a little bit more then but when it's still nil we're, we're, we're quite good at managing games and we, we we do have a little bit of a threat so i think it's exciting um in terms of the front three i'm not even sure how how much longer they're going to play together because i think we're probably going to sign some players um before the uh, window closes which is strange because if if there was ever a window where Mike actually didn't have to go and spend money, it's probably this one. But it seems like we're probably going to go and do a few bits. So that could be quite good. I think Jared Bowen's a player that could come in. Um, and he's he's a goal-scoring winger from the Championship who could probably come in uh, and get a lot of goals for us. I think he'd be quite a good player for us to buy, to be honest. I think he's got such huge potential. Uh, and he's already proven himself at Hull, who are not the best championship team. So coming into a team that don't have much possession and are probably going to be dominant in most games, probably won't phase him too much. Um, and I think he's a player that we're, we're definitely going to go for before the end of the window. So that would be a good one if we got him. Uh, and I'm not sure what that would be for Almiron, St. Maximin and Joelinton, because he's probably another one that would play in that front three, uh, whether there'll be a change of formation if he comes in or if we'll try and maybe move St. Maximum centrally, which I, I think has been spoken about. Um, but yeah, I think I think we, it's exciting. Uh, and if we do go and sign a couple of players, as many people think we will do, um, we might get even better. So hope, the, the annoying thing with Newcastle is our performances are really bad. Like we, we are, we, if you look at expected goals, and we, I've spoken about it so many times this year, we, we completely, um, completely sort of outproving expected goals, which isn't going to last forever. Um, it always does return to the mean, as Dan knows of Arsenal. So it's going to happen at some point that we're going to going to suffer. So we need to improve the performances, um, which I think could happen. You know, we've got Lascelles back in the team, Saint Maximum being back in the team. Are, are the amount of points we pick up with him as opposed to without him is is there's quite a big difference. So hopefully performances will improve because he, he, even Bruce has spoken it in um, the last few weeks that they they do need to improve because they, they aren't good at the moment. But we've got the basis to build on, um, and it's better to be a lucky team than a good team. So if we keep getting this luck, I'll be fine. Yeah, unfortunately, on the other end of that luck spectrum, you have the Jetro Willems injury. Um, after you had been trying to sign him for feels like multiple windows before you actually wound up doing so, he actually came in, was playing fairly well. Now, obviously, 
has picked up an injury. Do we have an actual timetable on that thus far, by the way? Uh, not yet, but it seems like it's it's crucial. Yeah. So it's, it's probably going to be a while. Yeah, it seems not great. Um, but you do have Matt Ritchie, who, of course, ended last season playing as a left wing back and kind of creating with crosses from there. Do you expect that that's what we'll see, despite the fact that you obviously have a different manager this season than last? Yeah, he came on and played there yesterday, so I think that's probably the way he's going to go. Um, we've all Paul Dummett's out injured, so he's, he can't come and play there. Not that he could really play wing back anyway. Um, it, it does seem we're going to sign, I think it's Lazaro from Inter in the next few days. His mm. agent was at the game yesterday. That seems to be quite quite far along, uh, despite him being on the bench for Inter. I think they're going to sign Victor Moses from what I'm reading. So if that goes ahead and we get Lazaro, he can... He can offer similar things to Willems, but I think he plays on the right-hand side. So that, that's a position we did need to strengthen because none of our right-backs have, have done very well this year. Um, speaks volumes that we closed the game out with Isaac Hayden at right wing-back, uh, as opposed to Mankio, Yedlin or Kraft. The three players actually play that position. So, yeah, I think I think Bruce spoke about going out and getting another left wing-back, but I'm not sure quite how that would that would work. We've already got too many players to for, for squad places as it is. And talk is we're going to bring in a couple more anyway. So I think the only way that gets done is if Willem's injury is so bad that we, we terminate the loan. But I think that'd be a shame. I, I just, I hope it's not as bad as it looks because it, if it is, it potentially we won't go and get him permanently, which would just be a, a massive blow because he's, he's, he's added so much since coming in. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. And even if it is, I still hope we go and sign him permanently because I think he is so good in that position. Um, don't think there's too many better uh, in the Premier League. Left left back seems to be quite a weak spot anyway throughout the league. And I think that we've probably got one of the better ones, at least below the top six anyway. So yeah, it's a big blow. But Richie can come in. He's solid. Um, got a little bit more um, creativity about him. Obviously good at set pieces, good at, uh, takes penalties when he plays. So I think him coming in and just the energy and the leadership he brings as well, I don't think it's going to be as big of a loss as it, as it perhaps would have been. Gotcha. Well, we'll certainly see how that all develops. But as you say, you have a, a ready-built replacement who obviously held that position at least for the latter half of last season. Uh, Joshi, we'll come to you now. Um, Obviously, the big news today in the build-up to the match was that Rashford is out. Double stress fracture in his back sounds like six-ish weeks, but you know you can never really make that specific a call with an injury like that. Um, we are in January, fortunately. That's the one upside, is that you can bring in a replacement. You mentioned at the top of the show not wanting to panic buy. Do you think you could look for kind of a loan, potentially loan-to-buy kind of option, or... Do you not think that you'll dip into the market at all, trying to find a replacement for Ashford, at least in the short term? Um, so I think we will be, and we are obviously looking at players to come in. I mean, the, the squad needed strengthening even before he got injured. Um, whether I trust in the like Ed Woodward and Matt Judge to go out and actually bring the right players in, I'm not sure about that, right? Um, I mean, the whole... Bruno Fernandez uh, fiasco is 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 just a snapshot of how poorly run the club is. This is a player that in the summer we could have had him, uh, but we we passed up on him, and and then uh, we we briefed out through the media that it was because he was potentially not good enough on the ball and lost possession too much, and now we're back in for him in January because we need we need strengthening in midfield uh, with Pogba's injury. And now we've got Rashford's injury, so we need strengthening up front uh, or in the forward wide, you know, the wide positions, forward um, 
with players. So look, we definitely need players. Whether I trust that the club will bring the be able to bring in more than one is I I don't because the we've seen in the past and in the last few years they tend to do one transfer at a time. They don't like they don't for some reason they just put all their eggs in one basket and then they sort of move on to the next one and then the next one and it doesn't seem to. We, you know, everything seems to drag on. I also think we're kind of reported on more than other clubs, but at the same time, I just we're just very poorly run. So we do need strengthening. I think a loan deal is interesting. I don't know. I saw someone suggest a loan deal for Gareth Bale, and given that's where Rashford's playing, uh, and Bale is our favourite Real Madrid, from what I understand, it could be interesting. I don't know that that's necessarily something we're going to go for. Um, whether Gareth and I, and I know that Bale isn't really up for leaving, so um, you know that's just something that I saw. It sounds interesting and it makes a bit makes sense, but I'm, I, I don't think it's it's going to happen. It's not. It wasn't like a journalist tweeting that I just saw it as someone suggesting it. Um, there was a loan proposed for a um, uh, an Atletico Madrid midfielder. I can't remember his name now. They signed him from Real Madrid, but. Um, yeah, I think a loan deal might work given, you know, there, there there might be players out there who need minutes and things like that. But it's just a little bit like for me as a club, club like Manchester United shouldn't really be going out and dipping in and, and getting loan deals in. Right. We should be just getting building the squad with a set plan and, and going out and, and getting the players that we need. Haggling over a couple of million here and there. I know it sounds like a lot to us, but the point is we should be spending money on the squad. And because we've been out there bragging about how great our commercial um, strength is, which, by the way, isn't that great. I mean, I mean it is, but it's, it's sort of plateauing. Everyone wants a piece of that, right? So as soon as you're going out saying we can do great things in the transfer market, well, then everyone else is going to be like, well, we want a bit of that cash. So uh, if you're going to come and try and get our players, we want a bit of extra money. And we always overpay for players. And look at Harry Maguire in the summer. He's not an £80 million centre-back. He just he isn't and we had to go and pay that if we want to go and pay get some of these other players that i mentioned earlier on like jack graylish or james madison we will be paying in the region of 60 50 60 70 million for these guys um so you know the the club has to kind of come to a they have to make these a better decision in terms of their strategy and how they they go about things I did see we were also linked with the Birmingham midfielder Jude Bellingham. Now, I don't know a lot about him, but he's 16 years old and we were linked with a £25 million deal with plus add-ons. He's got to be something special for that amount of money at that age. And uh, I think he scored at the weekend and you know people rave about him. But again, he's not going to come in and transform our midfield at the age of 16, right? He's, he's one for the long term, for the future. So it's it's that balance, and it's really difficult in January to go out and 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 sort of you want signings that are going to come in, make an impact, and really kick your season on, but they also have to be able to be there the following year and really settle into the club and be within the strategy. So it is difficult. I don't see us doing a lot of business simply because I don't trust the 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 leadership at the club, um, and but we do need. We should have done a lot more business in the summer. And this summer we need to do a lot. But again, I don't trust the club to do it. I don't think there's the right strategy in place. Um, certainly not the right structure. And and it's, it's all a little bit of a shambles, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, and certainly now with the Rashford injury, which apparently you already knew he had one stress fracture. 
and he was able to play through that, but not two. It really draws into relief the missing out on Holland, who then went on and scored a hat trick in his first match for yeah. Dortmund. Uh, so that that pretty quickly looks like, um, like you said, maybe should have just paid up whatever they were asking there. Um, then I also wanted to talk to you about Oleg. Uh, obviously, as a manager, he's a bit. Uh, Opinions of him vary. Let's put it that way. Um, but we did a whole managerial show where we talked about all the managers who were and could be in crisis this season. And uh, Dave and I were both a little bit more positive on Solskjaer. I mean, you're currently five points out of fifth. You have a very depleted squad because of injuries. Now add Rashford to that list. Then you have Pogba, who either is a one away or is also on that injured list. De Gea seems to be regressing. The summer signings weren't as good as hoped for, although I do think um, that uh, Juan Basaka has been very good defensively, but he was already that, and, and I, I think I was expecting he would kick on a bit more in the attacking third. So you, yeah, you consider all of that, and Ole yeah. seems to be doing a decent job from the outside looking in. Well, I don't know. I think, so just on the signings piece, if you look at, so Harry Maguire, we had to overpay for him. He's doing what I expected him to do. I don't think he's... Uh, I never thought he was a top-tier top, top tier player. He's playing at the level that I expected him to. He's kind of... I don't know if he's better than he was at Leicester. I doubt it. Um, I'm not that impressed by him. I think he has shown some good leadership qualities because he's a natural in that regard. Um, but I'm not happy that he's our club captain. I don't think he's of the, of the requisite quality. But we needed reinforcement. So I get why we signed him, right? And he has come in and he's done okay but we've also seen that we're actually defensively at set pieces more vulnerable than we were last year i think we a stat came up today after van dyke scored um saying that we have let in we've conceded the most corner goals um in the league right which tells you a lot about the defensive organization so i'm not saying that's all on harry Maguire. Uh, but he was supposed to come in and, and make that and, and be part of that kind of um, leadership at the back, which we've not really uh, have. I haven't seen. I think other people think he's he is quality. But, you know, I, 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 I reserve judgment. Wan-Bissaka, I rate really highly. I think he's quality. He's a top level defender um, and he's improving in terms of his in terms of going forward. He needs to improve his delivery and his passing. Um, but I think he's pretty composed on the ball. Um, and is certainly outstanding defensively. Uh, and Dan James, I think, uh, you know, he started off the season really well, brilliantly. But he's he's a young guy. He was he's come in from the championship. U- ultimately, he's the type of signing where you'd have liked him to have a bit of time to kind of um, come in and out of the side, so he doesn't burn out. He looks like he's burnt out. Gets kicked all over the place every game. Um, but he's got really good energy, really good pace. And I think he does make good decisions. Uh, his decision making is better than I expected, but he's still very kind of head down uh, runner, right? He's not a, that sort of footballing brain, uh, creative outlet again. So I, I like him. He's he's got a lot of potential, I think. Uh, but he's come in and he's had to shoulder the burden of a starting role when actually he was he's the type of signing you'd expect to sort of at a club like United where he'd be in and out and develop his game and improve. Um, in terms of Oli's management, look, I think his ideas are good, right? His top-level ideas. So he wants to play um, fast-paced attacking football with width, um, which we do see every now and then. And so, uh, and you know, we've beaten good sides this season. 
um, I think City, Spurs, we beat in Chelsea. Um, obviously, we drew against Liverpool early on in the, earlier on in the season. Um, so, you know, there is something there. Uh, but I don't think he's got that technical skill as a coach to really drill the team into into the way he wants the team to play. So his ideas are good. So again, like with the youth policy, so I think there's some positives there. You know, Brandon Williams, he's brought him through. He's done really well. Um, you know, he's brought Mason Greenwood into the side and he's not kind of rushed him in or, you know, and he's, he's given him good game time and he's done really well. Scott McTominay's come on really well this season and then before his injury. And Fred has improved massively. We've seen Rashford in the best form of his life. And Marshall leading the line has been really, really good. He's not as prolific as uh, I'd, li- I'd like him to be, but actually the way he leads the line, holds up play, nice little touches. I think he's come on as a player. Um, so there are positives, but I just don't think at a, as, as, a, as a pure coach, he's got the technical skill uh, to drill this side um, into into the you know the type of team we want them to be, we see it, and that's why we see the inconsistency. That's why when teams play deep and 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 defensively, well, not not play deep defensively, but when they play a deep line of defence, then we we find it really hard because we don't really have this attacking structure and system drilled into the side. Couple that with defensively, we're really fragile at set pieces. It's not. It's not a recipe for success, right? So I, I can see the positives, and I like him obviously as a United fan. Um, but I, I, I just don't think he's got it to be, you know, um, a top tier player manager. That being said, there's lots of issues with the squad, right? He wasn't really massive. We we needed a lot more players in the summer. Uh, we've had injuries. He's been a bit unlucky on that front as a you know as as the manager. Um, and and he's had a thin, he's we've got a thin squad, so people like Rashford are being overplayed. Dan James overplayed, um, McTominay overplayed. Pogba's got injured, so it's kind of you know it's really difficult to judge him purely in terms of his ability, especially when you consider how we how he started off his managerial reign. So again, you know the jury's out. I'm not overly positive, but at the same time, I'm not kind of saying you know, he needs to go now. I just don't see who would bring in, but um, certainly by the end of the season, he will have to prove one one way or another that he's there. Otherwise I can see him being moving on in the summer, especially Pochettino is still around and uh, knocking on the door. Hmm, maybe I had a more biased question than I thought, especially with Pochettino still out there. Um, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what you do with him long-term. Um, but I'm not sure somebody else would come in and do better with the the squad the way it is at this exact moment. Yeah, so. I mean, and, that, and that's that's the thing, right? You have to you have to take that into account because the squad is poor. He's if 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 we look at it, he's shipped out nearly every kind of every Jose Mourinho signing, kind of, or the ones that were causing issues. Um, and I think you know people give him a bit of credit for. There are things to give him credit for, um, and but. I just feel like the club is just maximizing, you know, reducing the wage bill by getting these players off um, the books. And I don't see them committing in the transfer market. Like you got rid of Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, and we didn't, we, and we brought Dan James in, who's not really going to shoulder that burden. Not that I rated Sanchez and Lukaku, but they were bodies in, in the squad and they were experienced internationals. Um, you know, so you don't, we're not really replacing that. We're not replacing 
we're not bringing in the type the numbers um into uh, you know into the team so yeah no, but the, yeah i i agree you can't i i can't i you know even if you put Klopp into this the side i don't i'm not saying we'd win the league you know with Klopp, it would just be but at least you'd see on the pitch a little bit of evolution with uh you know a lot more of it but i think we're seeing a bit seeing a little bit of it but perhaps not enough to fully kind of back him certainly from my end gotcha all right then dan we will come to you to talk a little bit about Arsenal, um, also came out and had some very complimentary quotes earlier this week about Arteta and how he felt he could kick on. Had some pretty bright moments uh, in what ended up being the draw against Sheffield United. Uh, under Arteta, do you think Otso can once again become kind of a crucial piece to this team? Um, I think he's important short-term, probably not long-term, because he's, he's old and he looks it. Like, he's not the same player he was. Um, that said, he's absolutely our best number 10 for um, the short-term, so I think he will be a crucial player for the rest of the season possibly next season we'll see depends on what we do in the summer um so i guess important yes uh peak obviously not gotcha well yeah it it just seems like maybe he needed another chance although that's what we said um when wenger left <laughs> and then it didn't get any better so uh time will tell in that well, he was actually pretty good in wenger's last season it was really under emory that he died oh really but, uh yeah oh well, then I, think, I, think it was an I think it was an underlying numbers thing being better than the uh, actual numbers thing. Mm. But even then, I think even his actual numbers were at least like solid. Interesting. Um, it, it really was Emery when he fell off, which is, you know, a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also, I wanted to get your thoughts on Bernd Leno, because uh, at the halfway point, we talked about how he was probably Arsenal's player of the season. But he's had a couple of uh, kind of flappy moments of late. Um, are you starting to think that maybe he's kind of reached a plateau in his development or just having like a rough few weeks? Uh, I mean, they don't really surprise me. I mean, he is what he is. He's a solid keeper. Um, I'm happy with him. Definitely not a position we need to address. Um, he will have some moments that aren't great. He's not like a top, top tier, but he's good enough and I'm fine with it. So like, I'm not sure if this is like a plateau or a couple of weeks, but I think he just has that in him. He's never been great at commanding his box, so flapping at crosses is definitely something that happens, but uh, he usually makes up for it in his shot stopping. Uh, so, you know, these are just kind of, it's kind of part of the course with him. Um, and you will take it, to be honest. Like, he's, he's, I think he brings, he's a net positive, um, even if he does have some frustrating moments. Yeah. It, it just, it always shocks me in this kind of, newer era to see a goalkeeper come from a cross and just miss it entirely and it just seems like he's had a few of those but as you say he has struggled with that in the past I just thought we kind of collectively thought he had gotten past that when we all thought he would struggle at Arsenal and then was pretty good um but yeah well even I, I think I think the fact that he's faced as many shots as he has um and made of as many good saves as he mm -hmm. has um has always like he's even last season when he was pretty good he did still have a couple moments and I think uh, Southampton away is one that just comes to my mind immediately where he like absolutely flapped it across and missed it completely yeah. um, and they got a free tap in off it uh, like it, it's always been there uh, and again like it's we'll take it it's a net positive even gotcha. if the the errors are frustrating at the time <laughs> to quote Jurgen Klopp we're not looking for another one um, <laughs> in terms of how he's playing in net all right uh, well unfortunately you don't have time to do uh, player watch or the match preview so we will just leave the show here but guys if you'd like to tell everybody where they could find you or anything you're working on now would be a good time 
yeah, you can get me on uh, Twitter at Jigjapple with two ends, where I'll post anything that I do. Um, and yeah, just cheers for listening, guys. Yeah, just going to say thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. I'm no longer on Twitter. You can't find me anywhere. I'm elusive. <laughs> uh, Dan, you can still get me on Twitter. Unlike Joshy, I'm not as elusive. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can, of course, find the show at EPL Roundtable. And also be sure to tune into our championship show uh, that Jake sometimes hosts and goes live on this channel every week. So, yeah, thanks, guys, so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure, as always. And we hope you keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.